0: It is really, really good to be with you this morning. Happy Easter. Yes, yes. Yeah, amen. I love it. I love it. God has got something incredible in store for us today. My name is Monty, and uh, I'm going to say it again. You maybe have already heard it, but if, you're, if this is your first time at Meadows Church, welcome home. We're super excited that you're here. Um, what I want, I'll tell you a little bit about the church. When we, when we preach every week, and we preach out of God's word. So every weekend, you're going to get something from God's Word. Our goal is to help you understand it, help you apply it to your life, because the more you apply God's Word to your life, the more that you're going to live out your God-given purpose. Say purpose. You have a purpose. You've got a purpose in life, and we will do everything we can as a church to show you what God says about your purpose in life. The other thing we do is we teach in series a lot. So we'll pick a topic on maybe it's marriage or relationships or whatever, or we'll pick a biblical character, and we'll teach on it for weeks, like... Three weeks, or four weeks, or five weeks, or more. And uh, we're in a series right now uh, called The Power of Three. Say three. 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 So in the last three weeks, this is the third week, we've looked at the significance of the number three in God's word, and there's so many different things in God's word that point back to the number three. And and one of them is, uh, well, really the, the, the series stems from a scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And I'll put it up for you. And it says, three things remain. Or three things will last forever faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. This is what we're talking about this week love. Two weeks ago, we talked about faith. Last week, hope. And today, love. And I say the word love, and I think, you know, we kind of throw the word love around pretty loosely nowadays, don't we? I mean, love is a big word. But I mean, I can say, gosh, Ava, I love your shirt. It says pink on it. I love that, right? We can say, I love your Easter dress. I love your hair. Oh, I love that show, A Million Little Things. Don't you love that show? We just throw the word love out, right? I love this. I, I uh, had a guy, um, a friend, well, a classmate in, high, in grade school, and he would say, he'd talk about his love for his, uh, his John Deere 4440. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. I don't even know what that really means, but he would talk about it at grade school all the time. Oh, I love my, my John Deere 4440 and this and that. And I'm like, wow, he likes this guy named John quite a bit. Whatever, I don't understand. And finally, a buddy of mine is like, he's talking about his tractor. I said, well, that's even worse. A, a, piece, a piece of farm machinery? I had to talk to the guy. I'm like, dude, you, you got to set the bar for love a little bit higher than that. I mean, there's something wrong, but we throw it out there all the time. Some of you, you would say that you love working out, Right. You love running. You can't wait to jump on the treadmill and get after it. Who here loves, to, loves that? You love working out. Not many of you. Wow, you're like me. So for those of you with your hand up, I hate you. Okay, I'm just going to say it. I don't get it. I don't understand. I, I want to love running. I just can't embrace that relationship right now. My daughter, Ava, who's in the service, um, she started the, the school year in track uh or no in cross country now she's ending the school year in track and my wife Jody and I look at each other we're like I don't get it like where does she get this from it is I mean Ava I've told you this hundreds of times the only time your dad runs is when he's getting chased that's the only time I've ever that's it that makes me actually think of a story I uh I we're oh boy here we go here we go let the party begin I told you we're gonna party today when I was a freshman in high school, this is a true story, I was getting chased, and I was running like crazy. So I was a freshman, and we were actually building floats for homecoming. Anybody know what that means, a float? you know. And I'm not talking ice cream, though I do love ice cream, and I say that's actually a good use of the term love. I love ice cream. I love Cold Stone. In fact, I was going to wait. I was going to wait until the end of the service, because some of you aren't going to hear another word I say, but... Um, the stone has been rolled away, right? We know that Jesus is alive, so I'm rolling a cold stone. The cold stone in, and after service, you're all getting cold stone ice cream. Is God good or what? Yeah. And and for the, for those of you that think um it's too early for ice cream, I I would say you know what? What's wrong with you? Seriously, we want to pray for you. There, it's never too early for ice cream, and you're getting it. Back to my story. So we're running through this field, and we're getting we're freshmen. We're getting chased by seniors, okay? Initiation was real. I don't know where it was for our, you know, Salem, South Dakota, where I grew up. It was real. So me and my buddy, his name was Thor. Again, you can't make this stuff up. That was his name. And we are we are running. I, and I was scared for my life. I probably was lipping off, probably deserved to get beat by these seniors, probably deserved it. So I'm running so fast, and it's dark out. And, and we're building our float in a barn. So we're running through this field. And all of a sudden, I'm running as fast as I can, and I feel this resistance, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I hit something. Well, I'd run into a barbed wire fence. Yeah, yeah. So I hit this fence, and I hit it like this, and I'm flying backwards, and I'm about on the ground, and Thor's like... Hey, look out for the barbed wire fence. I'm like, Thor, where were you 10 seconds ago? Okay. My gosh, I'm on the ground. So I'm on the ground. I'm so freaked out. Didn't know it was a barbed wire fence at the time. I get up, I I jump over the fence, keep running like crazy, get to the barn where we're building a float, and I'm in safe territory now because I got my classmates with me. And I'm there and I look down and there's this big, this is the the only, but one of the only scars I have on my body. And I look and there's, um, there's a rip in my shirt, and I, I lift my shirt up, and there's blood everywhere. And all of a sudden, these, these girls come over. They're like, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, you know, no. I think I'm going to need some attention here, you know? I, when it, we're always working it. Always working it. So I'm like, no, I'm really hurt here. So, uh, but it was, it, it, you know, love. I, I, what was I talking about? Oh, love running. Gosh, I got off track. So... Some of you love music. I love music. Any music fans? Yeah. A lot of us love music. We just heard some awesome worship music. Like, I'm a rock fan, so I grew up listening to rock music. How many would say you love rock music? That's your genre. Yeah. Yes. Yes. How many like top 40? You like top 40 stuff? Ava, get your hand up. Get your hand up. That's you. Yes. So top 40. How about country music? Any country music fans? Okay. Now, this is a problem. This is a problem. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to say it. You know what? Jesus doesn't like that, okay? He doesn't. I'm just being... If you're a country music fan, I'm just going to say it. God God loves you, okay? Just not as much as he loves other people, okay? I'm kidding. I'm kidding, but you probably love your your John Deere 4440 too, don't you, all right? Go back. That's what country music makes me think about. I don't know. So, but country music... Some of you didn't participate in that little thing right there. I wonder if you have kids. See, you, see, some of you don't know what your favorite music is. You don't. You have no clue because you've got young kids. So it doesn't matter what your favorite is. It doesn't matter what you want because all you hear in the car, all you hear at home, is "Baby Shark doo doo do, 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 I mean, I don't even get it. What? I don't know what's worse. I. Yeah, you heard "Baby Shark," didn't you? You you know, I don't know what's worse, baby shark or this purple psychotic dinosaur singing, I love you, you love. You know what, Barney? That's where you got it wrong. I don't love you. In fact, I will kill both you and baby Bob. I don't care. Jeez. I'm sorry. Love. We're talking about love. But what what God is going to do in this place today, because what we're celebrating is all about love. But I'll be straight up. God wants to take us on a journey today. He does. We're going to go on a journey together. We're going to go on a quest for true love today. And some of you are thinking, yeah, right, true love sounds like a fairy tale. I'm telling you, it's a real life story. And and true love, so let me tell you who the message is for. This message is for anybody that even wonders if true love is even a thing. Like you're wondering, is that even attainable or even possible? This message is for anybody that, in the name of love, you struggle in your relationships. In the name of love, you've been hurt. In the name of love, you've hurt other people that you love and you beat yourself up over it. In the name of love, you don't even feel worthy. You feel less than. It's maybe for other people, but it's not for you. This message is for you. God's gonna take us on a journey today. The journey begins with with Jesus and his disciples. Jesus loved his disciples and they loved him. We pick this story up in Matthew. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. So if you brought a Bible or a mobile app with the Bible app, go to Matthew 26. Go to verse 33. As you go there, and if you don't have that stuff, we're going to put it up on the screen. But I'm going to say something. If you don't have a Bible and, and you need one or you want one, we'll give you one today. You go to guest services after the service, we want to give you one for free. Just give it to you. God's word, I never dreamed it would change my life. Never, never believed it would change my life. always believed it, just didn't believe it would change my life. Oh my gosh, was I wrong? Man, was I wrong. So, Matthew 26, 33. Let me set it up for you. So, Jesus and the 12 have just finished what you, what's known as the Last Supper. Okay, it's Thursday evening. Jesus is getting towards the end, of his, the end of his life. And it's Thursday, so they finish, and one disciple's left. Judas has left. During the Last Supper, he left to go betray Jesus. He's going to go tell the Roman officials where Jesus is for money. So Judas is gone. Now it's Jesus and the 10. They're done eating, and they're walking to uh, the Mount of Olives, it's called. They're going there to pray. This is where I pick it up in verse 33. Actually, before verse 33, Jesus says to the 10 that are left, or the 11 that are left, excuse me, Jesus says, you know what? All y'all, you're going to leave tonight. You're all going to desert me. You're all going to be gone. That's what Jesus said to them, and we'll pick it up in verse 33. Peter declares, even... Jesus, even if everyone else deserts you, I, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, Peter, I tell you the truth, because that's all Jesus does. This very night, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me not one, not two, but three times. In other words, Peter, tonight, that's how long your commitment's going to last, that you just said, tonight, That is how long it's going to last. Verse thirty-five. Peter's adamant. He's like, Jesus, you're wrong, man. No way. No, he insisted. Even if, even if I have to die with you, I will never say never. Man, never is a scary word to say. I don't know what's scarier, that or always, because they're both. I don't. He never will I deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same thing. Peter kind of takes the rap there, but don't make no mistake. Him and the other 10 all said the same thing. We will never, you ever told God, God, I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again, God. Only to what? Do it again. It's like, God, I, I, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I'm telling you right now, you get me out of this, I will never drink again. I don't know how many times I pray that. God, I will never I'll never do it again. And then God gets you out of it. Like two hours later, you're at a keg stand on your head. Chug, chug, chug. Okay, maybe that was just me. But um, I, I was like, God, you take this hangover away and I will. And you know what? Yeah, you know the rest of that story. It, it, but we do that, don't we? We're like, God, you do this for me and I'll, I'll never do it again. And then we do it again. That's where the disciples are at. Verse 36 Jesus went with them to the olive grove, olive grove called Gethsemane. Gethsemane. So that word, kind of a difficult word to say, the word literally means oil press. That's what the word means. The garden that they're going in is named Gethsemane. It means oil press. So that's that's specific, or that's important for us to know because when, when olives get crushed, when they get pressed, the oil comes out, right? The oil is the good stuff, the olive oil, See, I say that because some of you walked in here, and I know that you're looking good, and you are, and you're dressed at the hilt, and you are, but there's something going on on the inside, and you feel a pressure, and you feel a crushing in an area of your life. God wants to show you something in these next few verses about what you can do, because make no mistake, Jesus Christ is about to feel a pressure and a crushing like he's never felt before. But if you don't give up, if you do what Jesus will do here, and you do it the way he did it, I promise you, not only will you get through the pressure that you're in or the crushing that you feel, but you will come out better than you've ever been before. You will. You will. It's the crushing, it's the pressure that brings the good stuff. And so many people will give up or fall short or say, I can't do it when they're getting crushed or pressed. And God says, you don't need to do it. I've already done it. You just hold on to me. You just cling to me. And I'll take you where you need to go. So Jesus, you'll, you'll hear it. Jesus says, sit here while I go over there and pray. Then he took Peter, James, and John, say three. The inner three they were called. Peter, James, and John. In fact, this is the third time that Jesus has taken the inner three somewhere specifically. Some were just them. One time it was healing a girl. One time it was the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus did like some matrix, shape-shifting, crazy stuff. But this is the third time Jesus would take the three and say, okay, you guys sit here, but you three, you come here. And Jesus needed them. This is so key. He's God, but he needed people. So Jesus takes them, and Jesus becomes anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here. Keep watch with me. If there's something I can tell you just about this church, maybe you've been to other churches, maybe you've never, maybe went to church growing up, I can't speak for other ones, I can tell you about this church, we're not real big on religion, because I don't think Jesus was, but we're big on relationship. And the more that I study scripture, listen to what Jesus just said to them, I need you. This is Jesus, God in the flesh, and he's telling those three, I desperately need you in my life. Like, I'm hurting right now. See, some of you, you're hurting. I'm telling you, you need people wrapping around you, people that love you and love the Lord. Jesus is showing us something here in our crushing, in our struggle. Jesus says, keep watch with me, please. He went a little further. He bowed his face on the ground, and then he started praying to his, his father, God. Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. We can can hear this from Jesus and think, that's weird. Jesus, perfect, sinless, and it's like he's trying to get out of it. Like, Jesus, this is the whole reason you were sent. This is the whole reason you came. And now you're trying to cower and, like, get out of it? He's not. Can I just tell you that? What, What we need to understand about prayer, this is so powerful. Jesus is teaching us something here. Jesus isn't... Jesus, what we fail to understand sometimes with Jesus is Jesus was hundred percent God and hundred percent human. and it, 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 we'll probably never wrap our head around that completely. but Jesus in his humanness, he's, he's hurting. He is struggling. listen, He's about to take the sins of everybody on him. We'll never see God's never forsaken you. He's never forsaken I, but he would forsake his own son. You know what the Bible would say? And I don't even get it. The Bible says not only did Jesus take all the sins of all you and, and me, but, but Jesus became sin. I don't even understand what that means when the Bible says that. I just know that's not good. That's probably very difficult. And that's where Jesus is. But, I, but Jesus isn't trying to change God's mind. Like when you, when you pray, I mean, Jesus isn't trying to say, all right, get me out of it. What Jesus is doing in his humanness, he's trying to get his heart and his mind and his will in line with God's. He's lining up his heart and his mind because he's human. He's okay, God. Listen to what he said at the end Your will, God, not mine. I'm hurting, I'm struggling, I'm scared. And he was, he was human. But okay, so he says that the first time. Let's keep going. Verse 40 Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He says to Peter, You couldn't even watch for an hour. It's kind of funny. Literally an hour ago, they're all saying, you know what? Jesus, we're in your corner. Peter's like, if all these other losers leave you, I ain't going nowhere. I got your back. I got your back, Jesus. You go over by your favorite rock. You go pray to your dad. I'm right here. I'm your right-hand guy. I'm your wingman. And Jesus, I will not rest. The <laughs> what the heck? That okay, that makes me think of one more story. Real quick, real quick. So, 20 years old, going to college, you got to do a spring break trip, right? You got to. So, well, at least I thought you had to. So me and five guys, or five people total, uh, thought we would jump in a Volkswagen Jetta, because why be comfortable, and travel 24, 24 hours south to a place called South Padre Island. So we're going to go to South, we're going to go on this trip and we're going to drive all the way through and we're not going to stop. I remember we got to Texas, we're like, we're almost there. Oh, we weren't almost there. My gosh, we weren't even halfway there. The state is big. So anyway, we're, we're, we're on this trek and uh, it was me and my brother and some friends and then one guy we didn't know that well. You might say, well, why'd you bring that guy? Well, that wasn't the plan. One of my friends backed out last minute. So we just said, hey, who's got enough money to come on the trip? And, and Brad said, I'll go. Well, we didn't know Brad that well. And I'm like, all right, this is the time to get to know Brad. So we're in the vehicle. We're, we're, we're traveling down the interstate south, the South Padre, thinking about all the, the, the things we're going to do, and it's going to be awesome. And Brad's, we're getting to know Brad, and Brad's like, you know what? You're calling me Brad. He goes, don't call me Brad. Call me Golden. And we're like, call you Golden? So we're like, whatever. That's weird. You want us to call you a, a different name. But, you know, we'll play ball. We're having fun, whatever. So we travel a little longer, and he goes, don't call me Golden. Call me the kid. And I'm like, okay, this is getting weird. Okay, I want to call you something right now, but I can't repeat it in church. What I want to—I mean, it's like, what? This, you're, it, dude. It was just strange. So it was the kid's turn to drive. So we're like, all right, it's your turn to drive, whoever you are. And he sits in the the driver's seat. And it's the middle of the night, middle of the night. So it was him, and then I was next to him, and then three in the back, shoved in this back tiny little seat. And we're like, all right, you good? He's like, we're good. He'd been drinking coffee for like seven hours straight. He was like jittering. It was not safe. So he's over there, and he's getting ready to drive. And I'm like, we're tired. Middle of the night, we're taking shifts. And and the kid starts driving, and I'm like, okay, about 45 seconds into the trip down south, I, I kind of start to doze off because I'm tired, and we get asleep. So I doze off, and all of a sudden, I hear boom. Boom. And I'm like, what? I thought I was dreaming. I wasn't. I opened my eyes and uh, construction cones are flying up over the car. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, what the? I look over, dead asleep. I'm like, kid, golden, moron, whoever you are, wake up. We're going to die. What are you doing? He's out cold. That was the last time he drove the whole trip, I think. It was unbelievable. Jesus, I can relate to what you're going through, I think. I mean, Jesus is like, you guys couldn't stay awake for 45 seconds. It was horrible. So Jesus, he leaves and goes to pray a second time. Listen to what the Bible says. He says, keep watching, and pray. Don't give in to temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Verse 42, then Jesus, then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, Father, if the cup can't be taken away unless I drink it, Again, what's he say? Your will be done. He says it again. Jesus isn't praying for God's benefit. He's praying for his. He knows he's got to get lined up here. God, I, 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 I need you. He, he's teaching us something about prayer. He ain't trying to change God's mind. He's trying to get lined up with God's will. It's key that we catch that. Verse 43, or excuse me, verse 44. So Jesus goes a third time now. Say three. This is the third time Jesus leaves to pray. It says he said the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, still sleeping, still resting. He says, look, the time has come. The son of man has been betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. My betrayer is here. And what Jesus is saying is Judas has arrived. Remember Judas who left at the Last Supper? Well, Judas is back now. And Judas has brought some guys with him. These guys aren't real friendly. They're Roman guards. Centurions and they're arresting Jesus for something he didn't do. And Jesus, in this moment, would be arrested. And and remember what he said to Peter, You're going to deny me three times? Sure enough. Minutes later, maybe it was an hour later, that's exactly what happened. Jesus Christ is arrested. Peter, remember, I'll never do it. Even if all these other, I'll never. Sure enough, a young girl comes up to Peter, Hey, don't you know? Don't you hang out with Jesus? Didn't I see? Adamantly, nope. Nope, not me. Says it not once, not twice, but three times. In fact, the third time, the Bible says Peter swore and cursed and said, I don't know the man. Freaking out, adamantly. And you know what the Bible says? Immediately when he said that, the rooster crowed. Just like Jesus said. Think about it for a second. The rooster crows. And in the book of Luke, you know what Luke records? It said the Lord turned and looked at Peter. I want you to pause for a second and think about that. Here's Peter adamantly swearing and saying, I don't know who you're talking about. Rooster crows, and all of a sudden he looks at Jesus. And Jesus turns and looks at him. And I, I, I just imagine Peter thinking, oh my God. Like, like, the Lord didn't only turn and look at Peter, but he turned and looked at Peter w- w- with black eyes, a swollen face, blood running down his forehead from a crown of thorns sunken into his scalp. That's what he would see Jesus look like. The Bible says he ran, crying. I don't know. See, I, I relate to that so much because I've let so many people down in my life. I don't know if you've ever looked somebody in the eyes and and, and know that you've hurt them and see their eyes looking at you. I just imagine Peter looking at Jesus. I remember telling Jody when I was addicted, uh, I was a drug, addicted to drugs, hiding it from my family. And I know some of you hear this, you're like, gosh, he always talks about this. I just need you to know, where I was, so you understand what God can do, and the day, you know, and it was just such dysfunction in our household and cr- chaos and crazy, and the day that I told Jody really what was going on, I'll never forget the look, and I don't think God wants me to forget the look in her eyes. I really don't. I'll never forget it. She was like just like a kick to the stomach. She's like like all the counseling, all the stuff we talked about, all the things we've been working on, all the things I thought it was, and it was none of that. But it was this. And when you look at somebody you love, and you and you see this hurt. You feel such worthlessness. I just picture Peter feeling so worthless, feeling like God. He put such trust in me. I was his best friend, and and, and now look at us. It was over. What you need to understand in the moment when Jesus was was. It, by the way, it went from bad to worse. Jesus, after that, would be convicted of a crime, go to a cross, and die. So Jesus is dead, and Peter for Peter, hope is gone. For the disciples, hope is gone. For Mother Mary, hope is gone. See what you need to understand about the resurrection or about 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 the faith is when they took the when, when Nick and Joe took the body of down of Jesus Christ, his lifeless corpse. There were no Christians. Okay, they, there, there's no Christianity. There was no Jesus follower. There was none. I'll, let me say it this way: nobody believed that Jesus was God's son then. Nobody. 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 It was over. Everybody stopped, like when Jesus stopped breathing, everybody stopped believing. Everybody. It was done. You know, it, 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 I think about it. Everybody expected Jesus to do what, what most dead people do that's pretty much stay dead, right? You're dead, that's where it was. I've been to a lot of funerals. You know what's never happened at a funeral? I'm never up there, like, officiating a funeral. And the person in the casket all of a sudden jumps up out of the casket. Hey, what up? Grab some potato salad and coffee, hangs out. What are you doing here? I mean, that's never happened. That doesn't go down at funerals. They're not, but you're like, well, Jesus told them. I know what Jesus told them. When you see a dead body and you see a, you, it's over. It's done. It was, so think about Sunday morning. Let's fast forward to what we're celebrating today. Sunday morning, there was no paparazzi. He said, three days, I'm going to rise again. You tear it down, I'm going to build it up in three. He said it. The third day, there's no paparazzi. No one's selling Jesus bobbleheads. No one's selling He Has Risen t-shirts. No one. The inner three, the best buddies, you think they'd have a tent set up. They're going to camp out. Guys, We're going to do marshmallows, we're going to do s'mores, tell scary stories, it's going to be great. And then tomorrow, Jesus is going to burst forth from the tomb. Nobody thought that. I mean, there's no self, I mean, Peter's not setting up the perfect resurrection selfie. He's like, you know what, the tomb is here. If I'm here, and I put my phone right here, let's see. Oh, that's good, that's good. I'll be like, I'll be like, you know what, that's his. And John's like, you're stupid, Peter. This is the best angle. This is Jesus' best side. I'll be doing this, and I'll be like... You know, when he comes out, that's me. And then you, got, then you got James. James is like, James is like one of these. He's like, well, any selfie's got to be like. Yeah, I don't know. James was just weird. I don't know why he's doing the pucker. Anyway, so, but there, no one setting up selfies. No one's setting up the, per- because, because nobody believed there would be nobody. They believed Jesus was dead. Here's what, here's, here's the difference though. In fact, it's funny. You know who found Jesus? Or saw the tomb was empty. It was a group of women that went there. Do you know why the women were going there? To anoint a dead body, to re-anoint a dead body. They weren't going to say, "Oh my gosh, my Lord is risen." They were. It's dead. but They're going to re-anoint a dead body. That's why they went. That's why they were going. I'm trying to help you understand that nobody believed. Christianity was done. It was over. And when the women got there, Mary Magdalene, one of the women, saw the tomb was rolled, or the, the stone was rolled away. You know what she did? She ran back and told John and Peter. You know what she said? She didn't say, Oh my gosh, now I remember. Remember what our teacher said? He's going to rise. He did. She didn't say that. She ran back to Peter and John and said, Someone stole his body. Someone stole his body. See, they're, they're, him rising from the dead was the last thing they thought would happen. So Mary gets back and says to Peter and John, Someone stole the Lord's body. It, 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 it's, it's over. We don't know where they put him. But the reality is, no one stole the Lord's body. The reality is they had the right tomb. The reality is that Jesus Christ would rise from the dead. How do you know? Well, a few moments later, he would appear to Mary Magdalene in the flesh. Right after that, he would appear to more disciples, including Peter and John and James, later that day. Throughout the next five weeks, he would appear to hundreds. They say maybe thousands. We don't know how many was at the ascension when he rose up. But he, he appeared to over 500 in one setting. Jesus Christ appeared to all these people. They talked to him. They touched him. He was real. The resurrection was real because of what they saw. What Matthew wrote, what Mark wrote, what Luke wrote, what John wrote. The resurrection is the center of the Christian faith, by the way. Some of you might be not believing certain aspects of the Bible. Maybe someone you know, you struggle with them. Oh, they believe in evolution. Or they can't buy the fact that Noah was herding cats. You ever tried to herd cats? You can't do that. I mean, um, how could he get all these things on the boat? How can Jonah? I don't believe Jonah was in a fish. No no way he's living in a fish for three days. Can I tell you, none of that really matters at the end of the day. Christianity is based on one event. It's not even based on the Bible. The Bible exists because of Christianity. Okay? That's why. And Christianity exists because of one event. That is it. That Jesus Christ was dead, and then he was alive. Maybe you can't wrap your head around anything else. I don't care if you believe in evolution for the rest. I don't care. Believe in it. Don't care. That, at the end of the day, do I believe in it? No, I don't. Do I believe John on the wheel? Yes. Do I believe in no? Yes. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's an event. It, it is one event. And those guys believed it because they saw him. That is Christianity. It's based on one event. If, if, the, if the resurrection didn't happen, we can close up shop. The church can close. We can go home. Enjoy your Easter egg hunt. Hang out with the kids. But we don't need to be hanging out here. Because there is no Christianity without the resurrection. One event is what defines it. And and Peter, all of a sudden, how did he go from not believing to believing? How did he go from having zero faith to totally being reignited? It wasn't because of the archaeological evidence. It wasn't because he memorized Jewish scripture, and he did. It wasn't even because what Jesus taught. It was because he saw him dead and then he saw him alive. That is it. That is why Peter believed. That, so your first step, I mean, I, I pray to God. I've been praying for you all week. I, I, need, I, I need you to consider believing it. That's the first step in your notes. Believe it. The resurrection. I'm not asking you to believe the Bible. I do, but I, 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 I'm asking you this one event we're talking about today. Do you believe that Jesus Christ, God's son, could, could die and resurrect himself three days later? Don't believe it because I said it. Don't be- believe it because Peter said it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all said it. James, the brother of Jesus. Siblings were always the last one to give our, our brother and sister credit. His brother, brothers didn't believe in him. The Bible says it in John. They didn't believe he was anything special. Nothing. All of a sudden, Jesus appears to James, and James is a pillar of the first church. James is like uh, the leader in the church of Jerusalem. Why? Because he saw his brother alive, and he saw him dead. This is why. Believe it. Saul. Jesus appeared to Saul. Hated Christians. Fell in love with him. One of the greatest Christians that ever walked the earth. Why? Why did he change so drastically? Because they saw Jesus dead and then they saw him alive. This is why. And I'm begging, I, I'm just, just be open to believing the event. Not a book. Not a, just this event happened. That G, This man was dead and then he, and three days later he was alive. That is what our faith is based on. That one event. That's it. And I love God's word. I believe it all. But I just, I'm trying to help you understand the Christian faith. Think of Peter. Think if they were, think if Peter were to get interviewed after he started believing. Think of Peter, like, let, let, let's play it out for a second. Let's pretend you're talking to me. I'm Peter. And you're like, you know what, Peter? Pull up a chair. Here, here's the deal. Um, yesterday you were hiding out in like a room, okay? You were scared. You were like this little girl, like, oh, you know, and today you're all like bold about your faith. Why are you believing? What made you believe? Peter, you were the biggest unbeliever yesterday. And I can, see, I can see Peter saying, you know what? Here's the dude, I'm telling you, I'm with you. Here's the thing like, when, when the teacher was arrested, man, I ran, I freaked out. But before I freaked out, it was nuts, man. I cut this guy's ears off. Oh, it was one ear, one ear, just one ear. I don't want to brag, but it was freaky. It was gross, and uh, kind of like straight out of Reservoir Dogs. It was like, mm. So anyway, but after that happened, I ran. I was, and, and then you know what happened? Um, I denied him. Three times these little girls asked me. Little girls asking me if I know Jesus. I was like cowering. I freaked out. I denied him three times. But, but check it out, you guys. When, when Jesus died, I, I, I wasn't at the cross. I was too scared. I didn't want him to arrest and kill me. I'm just going to be honest. I didn't want him to arrest and kill me, but I saw it. Like, I was a ways away, and I was hiding, but I saw him. I saw him die, and then I saw him take him down. And So, so dude, I know what you're saying. I get it. Like, you have no faith right now. I had none. It was over. There was no hope, but check it out. Three days later, this, this woman, Mary Magdalene, she, she runs up on me and John, and she's like, oh, my gosh, the tomb's empty. No one's there, and I was like, Trust me, my first thought isn't like, oh my gosh, she's risen. My first thought is what she was thinking. Well, maybe someone's still, I mean, you ever seen a, ever seen a crucifixion? Dude, you don't like, you don't just recover from that, okay? <laughs> you don't just jump off and shake it off and go on your, put a band-aid on it. No, no, no. You know, the guy on the cross, it doesn't end well for him. You don't walk away from that. I saw it. Disgusting. So I was thinking, you know, maybe Mary was right maybe someone stole Jesus's body. Or check this out, but don't tell Mary this. She'd get ticked off at me, but maybe the women went to the wrong tomb. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they probably, you know, guys aren't the only ones who get lost. Don't tell her that. She's got a temper. She'd get mad at me. But God- pause for a second. Out of character, I'm going to say something. There's a reason that God would send women to the tomb. Let's just be honest, guys. If you sent guys, we'd still be looking for Jesus. Can we just agree on that? I'll be, just, 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 let's be square. Okay, I'll take ownership. If God would send me, here's what would happen. If you, Monty, go to the tomb, go check it out. You know, I'd end up in like Bethlehem looking for a baby in a manger. God's like, wrong holiday, moron. Like, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. All right, back to Peter, back to Peter. So Peter's like, so I get it. I get you have doubts. I get, you don't know why I'm believing. But check this out. John and I went there. We went to the tomb. I wanted to see. And Mary was right. No one was there. Like, the tomb was empty. But can I be honest with you? I still wasn't thinking Jesus was alive. Again, someone, I don't know. I was just confused. So John and I go back to the pad. We go back to our safe house. And we're hiding out, just chilling, playing Texas Hold'em. John's accusing me of cheating. I'm totally denying it. And uh, so we're hanging out there. And uh, then it happened. All of a sudden it happened. He, he just appeared. Out of nowhere. Totally unannounced. Just like my mother-in-law does it. Only he didn't use a door. Like he didn't use, he didn't, the door was locked. And there he was. Like I talked to him. I hugged him. Like it wasn't a ghost, it wasn't a mor- I, He was there. So I don't, So I, so so dude, I know what you're thinking. It's nuts. But all I know is, I don't believe because, not because of what I've, like, read or what I've studied. I believe because, like, he was there, and I saw him dead, and he was alive. This is why I believe. This is what Peter, I think, would say. See, God wants us to know something. Peter's faith, Peter's faith, it didn't rest on, like, historical evidence. Peter's faith rested Peter's faith rested on the fact that yesterday, Jesus Christ was a lifeless corpse. But today, he is the risen Son of God, alive and breathing. This is what he said. That's why I believe. I can't deny it. I touched him. Forget everything you've read. I saw it. And I believe it. And you won't talk me out of it. Peter believed it. I just don't know if Peter yet received it. The reason I would say this is because Peter and Peter and uh, Jesus would have a moment. Remember how I told you Jesus would appear to a lot of people? 500 here, the disciples not once, not twice, three, four times. So one of the times, and by the way, understand something. Peter, he believes, he saw Jesus, he believes it. You won't talk him out of it. He touched him. He believes. But Peter still remembers. Lord, you know what I've done. I said this and I did this. I, went, I, I said I'd go that way and I went that way. He believed it, but was he receiving it? I want to conclude our journey with breakfast on the beach. It's the title of today's message. Jesus Christ, the disciples, after Jesus rose from the dead... The Bible says a few of the disciples went out fishing, and it was similar to what how Jesus met them. So they're fishing, and Jesus appears again on the beach. Not a mirage, not a, not an illusion. It was Jesus Christ. They're not catching anything, he says. Throw your net on the other side. Guys, you know the deal. Another miracle. They bring in a haul of 153 fish, but who's counting? And they pull it in. They can barely get it in. They get to the shore Jesus, it says he's already got his fish. We don't know what happened, but, but there's, there's Jesus cooking up breakfast for them. And, it's, and in John 21, listen to this, verse 12. Listen to what Jesus says. I love it. Feeding his sheep. Always feeding the sheep. Always loving his people. He says, come. Come have some breakfast. This is the risen Savior, by the way. This is Jesus Christ alive it's kind of funny. It says, none of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? It's like, you ask him. You ask him. No, I ain't asking him. You ask him. They didn't have to do that. You know why it says? It says, because they knew. Say knew. They knew it was the Lord. Why? Because he was with them. They could touch him. They talked to him. They knew it. There was no, there was no doubts. He's there. He's cooking us bread. He's there. They knew it. Then Jesus served them bread and fish. This was the third time. Say three. Third time Jesus appeared to the disciples since he'd been raised from the dead. And then it happens. Peter's moment. I pray to God it's your moment. Jesus looks at Peter, and I think he sees Peter still looking hollow on the inside. Jesus is here on the outside, but I still feel dead on the inside. You ever been there? Some of you, you're you're there today. Peter calls, or Jesus calls Peter over. Come here, Peter. Sits down next to him. And the Bible would say, that jesus would ask peter three times do you love me three times now some are going to say that jesus asked peter that to make up for the three times that peter would deny him i'm not so sure because the third time he asked him peter says it out loud lord lord you know you're you know i love you he knew see i think jesus was asking peter So Peter would say it and know that Jesus still loves him. Peter, I see that you're believing, but will you receive? Peter, I know what you've done, but I love you anyway. I think it wasn't for Jesus to know he knew he's Jesus. It was for Peter to own it. It's yours, Peter. I'm here for you. I think Jesus wants somebody in this place to know something. Jesus is saying somebody in this place today, I know that you've messed up. I know that you've done things you you shouldn't have done. I know that you've hurt people that you love. I know that you've screwed up areas of your life, but I died for you, and I rose for you, and I forgive you, and I love you. I love you. I love you, Peter, and I love you, and I love you, and I love you. He needed him to receive it. The empty tomb was about believing. Breakfast on the beach, it was about receiving. And there is a difference. This is my heart, and you're going to hear it, because it was me. I've always believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, always. I was, I was raised in a home where my mother raised six kids and loved the Lord. Praise God, I'm so grateful. I've never doubted, never doubted it. What we're celebrating today, your pastor's never doubted it happened, never always believed I'll tell you I didn't receive it until probably 11 years ago big difference some of you are going to go today from unbelieving to believing I thank God I praise God for that I think there are a lot of people that believe in the resurrection and you'll celebrate it with your family today it just isn't per- you just haven't had breakfast with Jesus yet though that's why he brought you here today I'm gonna, I'll say it this way This hundred bucks, raise your hand if you believe this is real. Raise your hand if you believe this hundred dollars is real. Now, some of you, a lot of you think I counterfeit money. I say, okay, that's cool. Uh, You know me pretty well. Um, So, it is real, though you don't want to play. This is real. You believe it. Yeah. You know why? You see it, you're looking at it. Is it going to impact your life? No. I'm holding it. You're not holding it. So, yeah, that's great, Pastor. It's real. It's real. I believe it. I believe in this. Big difference. 11 years ago when I was in church, like you're in church today, I believed in the empty tomb. It wasn't even Easter, but God was speaking like it was. And I'm in church, and I'm dead on the inside from addiction and sin and selfishness that's in my heart. And I remember thinking, and Jesus, I'm envisioning Jesus, see him up on the cross, they showed a picture. And I remember thinking, my God, the greatest miracle in the world the Lord is on a cross, dying a horrible criminal's death for me. Believed it with all my heart. Just hadn't received it. I'm worthless. Okay? You know the people I've hurt? You know the things I've done? If you knew them all, I don't know if you'd even come to church here, honestly. Just being honest. And I remember thinking, why, God, if you did that for me, if you died for me and you rose for me, like you're saying, why am I dead? Why am I a dead man on the inside? And Jesus is like, Monty, you've always believed it. You just have never received it. What do you mean? He means, Monty, I want to have breakfast with you on the beach like I did with Peter. See, if you and I could have breakfast together, I could talk to you one-on-one. And if you receive the gift that I have for you, not just believe it. Believing is the beginning. It's important to believe. That's where it starts. But there's a lot of people believing in Jesus. I'll tell you what. There's just not a lot of people have received it who have been changed by it. Has Jesus Christ changed you, really changed you? Not me. I believed in it, but I lived like everybody else lived. And in that moment, I I just decided to receive it. I don't even know what it looked like. I was like, okay, God, I'm so desperate right now. I'm so dead right now. I'll do whatever it takes. I believed all my life, but I'm miserable and I need you. And God showed up and he's like, Monty, I love you. And some days I still don't even believe it. Can I just, we can be real in this church, can't we? Hope so. Some days I still, like, de- even debate it. I just do. I'm like, I'm just. This week, th- this is a big week for church. And we're preparing and and uh, had a lot going on, stuff going on in people's lives, stuff going on in your lives. And I'm praying for people and feeling overwhelmed. And, you know, it's just, I, we want things, that, we want to do things with excellence for you because you're valuable to Jesus Christ. If you don't know that, you are. He loves you so much. So we're doing these things and, I'm leaving in a a rush on like Thursday night. I got things to do and I'm all kind of, you know, emotional and focused on, all right, I got to do this, that, this, that. Ava comes home. Ava comes home from track. I think it was track. She came home from, again, why does she run? But anyway, that's another story. So Ava comes home from track and she probably senses that I'm just kind of uptight. And she's like, hey, dad, where are you going? I didn't even answer her question. I'm like, Ava, make sure you do your piano, make sure you do your violin, clean your room. Just barking orders at her. And I jump in my car and I take off. Didn't even answer her question. The Bible says come to heaven as a child. That's what the Bible says. So I do my thing, busy, oh yeah. I get home, go in my office, get my stuff down. It's late, 10, past 10 o'clock. They should be in bed, but she's not. And I'm at my computer, and she—I hear these footsteps come down the the stairway, and Ava comes down. She peeks around the corner. I'm like, hey, sweetie, what you doing up? Oh, you know, I'm just waiting for you. And I'm thinking about the way that I talked to her. And she comes up to me, and she goes, "Dad, did you see this?" And I hadn't even seen it, you know, so focused. She points to the computer, and there's this note. I'll show show it to you. There's a note on my computer monitor. I don't deserve, I don't think I deserve that kind of love some days. I don't understand how you can do that. And in this moment with Ava and I, God is showing me, like, Monty, you come to heaven as a child. Monty, you don't deserve it, but I I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I think God wants you to know that Jesus is saying to you, I love you. I love you. I love you. I know, I know you don't deserve it. I know what you. I know you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. He says you can't earn it. I don't love you because of th- those things. I love you because of who I am. I know all the things you've done, and I love you anyway. And God, this is the love of the Father. This was Peter. You know what he said to Peter? Check this out. Before that last week of Jesus's life, he go. He says this to Peter. He makes this declaration crazy, bold statement over Peter's life. And this is before, say before, this is before Peter would fall asleep in the garden. This is before Jesus would be arrested and Peter would flee. This is before Peter would deny Jesus, not one, not two, but three times. Before any of those events take place, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, you you are my rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. This is what he said to Peter. What? Love involves a choice. It does. Believed all my life. Receiving is action. Say action. Action. You believe, and believing is important, and believing is a requirement, trust me. I just think there's so many people that believe, and they should, and I praise God for every one of them. Again, I think there are a few that receive. See, receiving requires something from you. Well, Jesus Christ died for everybody. Yeah, I know he did. But it says, by faith, you are saved when you believe. You repent. You call on the name of the Lord. You move. Jesus has already moved. The tomb's empty. It's over. But will you receive? Let's go to the illustration. I believe that 100 bucks is real, and it is. I'm wondering who's going to receive it. And I'm asking. You want to receive that? This isn't about Jesus. It's just about 100 bucks. I just feel generous. Who's going to receive that? I'll wait. We'll be here maybe till noon. That's okay. I'm good with it. But someone's going to receive that. But for someone to receive that, they have to get up, come forward, and take it. And I'm like, yeah, praise God. Let me know where we're going to eat lunch today, okay? I'll meet you. So you got to receive it. You got to move. How many people will hear the Easter story? Most of you knew the story before you walked in here. This isn't about telling you the Easter story. It's about showing you the love of the Father and it being personal to you. Would you receive the love of Jesus Christ? That is the gospel. Jesus, you died. Believe it. Rose, believe it. Jesus says, will you have breakfast on the beach with me now? Will you receive it? That just means that you, wanna, you want Jesus to come into you. Not just be out here helping you, but inside guiding you and loving you. It means you're saved. There are people that will believe in Jesus and go to hell. What? Yeah. The devil believes more than you or I ever believe. Trust me. He ain't too close to Jesus. Believing is the beginning. Receiving is the key. Turning, action, repentance. That day that I gave my life to Jesus, truly, I received it. And I called on his name. And I asked him to come in. And I shared with you that I still struggle. I still have problems, but I know whose I am. And some of you, you don't know whose you are. And I'm telling you, those connection cards, this is your action item. Believe it and receive it. Believe in the resurrection. That's it, nothing else. The resurrection of Jesus, and I want to receive that. I want that power in me. If you want that, then this service was for you. The connection card, mark it. I'm I'm receiving it. I commit. I recommit. I don't care what you do. But don't leave here until you do that. Until you accept the good news. Believing is the beginning, but receiving the breakfast on the beach, that is the miracle. Where you do your part? God's done His. Will you do yours? God's done His. Jesus Christ went to the cross. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The tomb is empty. The stone's been rolled away. By the way, The stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out. It was rolled away so that you might get in and see that he has risen. I don't know your story, but I know that the tomb is empty. Give God some praise up in this house. God, we love you. We thank you. I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to worship a song and praise Jesus. The service is about you believing and receiving. Please don't leave here until you know who you are and whose you are in Jesus. Historical faith says Jesus lives. Saving faith says he lives in me. It's a big difference. Father, thank you so much for your truth. Thank you so much for the greatest miracle that could ever happen. Our faith hinges on one event and one event only. Your son died a sinner's, criminal's death for us. We don't deserve it. We cannot earn it. But he did it because that's who he is. And Lord, I know you didn't die to make us religious. You didn't. You died to make us alive. And Father, you've heard me say this so many times. i got to say it in the prayer. But here's the reality. If a man can take a blood-stained cross and turn it into an empty tomb. He can certainly take what is dead in you and I and bring it back to life. I am praying for resurrecting power in this place today, God. Do what only you can do. We will give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says...